welcome to The Rest. My name is Stephen Joffer and Anna Doan is here with me. Hi guys. So we have started this podcast. It's called The Rest, as I explained last time, where we talk about and pursue and strive, as it says in Hebrews chapter four, to enter into the rest that Jesus brings through the gospel. And so that is our heart and our goal for this. And um, we are so excited to be beginning a new series or a new uh, chapter in this podcast by interviewing some of the speakers who are going to be coming to our conference, which for those of you who don't know, we are putting on a conference May 14th and 15th here at Edgewater Christian Fellowship. And it is a young adult conference uh, focused on ages 18 to 35. And it's it's called Renew Conference, Renew 2021. And um, we have speakers from all up and down the West Coast coming, worship leaders from up and down the West Coast coming. And it's going to be a really fun time to have community and also a really fun time to focus on who God is and knowing who he is as he's revealed himself to be in the gospel. And um, we are stoked to be interviewing uh, the speakers who are coming. And today is our very first interview with Wesley Town, who we are stoked to have. He um, was the founding pastor of Ecclesia Eugene and has now transitioned to be working um, for or working as establishing the Better Days nonprofit, which focuses on mental health and how to follow Jesus in the midst of struggling with mental health and how to address mental health. And um, so we are so excited to have him with us. And so I'm going to let him explain a little bit about what that nonprofit is and introduce himself. So thank you so much for being on here with us, Wes. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be with you guys. And I'm stoked as well. I like that stoked language because I used to live in Hawaii. <laughs> yes. And so you're making me feel at home. Deal. Um, yep. Just a little bit about, yep, you know, right? Oh, yeah. Love that place. Uh, <laughs> yes, the best. You can't beat it. Well, a little bit about me. I live in Northern California, Davis. I'm a pastor at Bayside. Bayside is this like multi-campus mega church um, that literally goes from like the Sacramento area to the Bay Area all the way down to Southern California. Um, There's six campuses and like 20 to 30,000 people and it's a really great place. And so I'm leading, I leave one of their campuses. And then as Stephen, you said, um, I also launched a nonprofit called Better Days, where we talk about mental health and suffering within the Christian space. And uh, really, uh, you know, glad to be coming and talking about mental health and following Jesus at the conference in a couple months. Yeah, we're we're stoked to have you, and um, yeah, that's that's awesome. And and we kind of have a little bit of a list of questions just to kind of introduce you to our community and, and the people who are here. And um, basically one of the things that I, I thought was, was fascinating is that a lot of people in um, our age group are, are struggling with calling or struggling with knowing where to go. And, and you've done quite a few different things in your life and being a pastor, nonprofit leader, a, a variety of different things. And, um, I guess what I would ask is what advice do you have for uh, some listeners who are struggling with that idea of calling of, okay, should I go into ministry or should I go into business or should I mm-hmm. go into um, what, whatever field, what, what, 
what has that process been like for you of stepping into ministry at the very first and then, and then transitioning into nonprofit stuff? And, and how has that process gone for you? Yeah, such a great question. Cause I think underlying kind of our struggle with calling is trying to form our identity. Mm. So I think a mm. huge part of our identity as humans is our purpose. And we ask our question, you know, ourselves a question, what is our purpose in life? And I think that's, that's a starting point for calling. Yeah. Um, when we use the term ministry, I always say to people, ministry is anything that you have been created to do. So that could be inside the church, outside the church, um, just to kind of break open that mindset of the church equals ministry calling, because God has wired people to do different things, doctors and lawyers and construction workers and what have you. So I think in all of our lives, we start with purpose. For me, uh, my calling in life um, was a journey. Like everyone else, we all have kind of a unique story and background. I didn't grow up in the church. Um, when I was in high school, that's when I really started to uh, believe and follow Jesus. And it was my senior year in high school that I had been walking with Jesus, following Jesus, going to this amazing church, really learning about the Bible um, and what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that I started a Bible study. And uh, I wasn't meaning to lead the Bible study. I just wanted to start it. But all my friends were like, um, this is your idea, so you're leading this. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I would have never, you know, purposed to teach the Bible. That wasn't in my plans. That wasn't even, you know, a desire like innately within me. Yeah. But since it was my idea, I kind of was a default person. I started teaching this Bible study. And early on, like doing that, um, I just felt this inner sense that that was what I was called to do. Mm. But I think there's, there's more to it than that. I think for all of us, when we think about our purposes, we have to ask ourselves, who am I? What am I good at? What are my unique experiences? And how do I take all of that, like who I am, my talents, my gifts, my experiences, my education, and how do I collectively take all of that to meet human needs and contribute to flourishing in this world? I think that ultimately is our purpose. It's a conglomerate of multiple parts of like how we've been wired and then saying, how can I um, do something in this world that is good, that is right, that aligns with God's design? And when it came to like ministry for me, I had this internal sense when I was high school in high school, but I think that it's also important that we have external validation. So mm -hmm. over the years, as I was interning and teaching the Bible and studying and, you know, going to, going to uh, Christian college and seminary and get my, you know, a couple graduate degrees over those years, there was so much external validation. It wasn't just this thing that I was pursuing. Mm -hmm. It was validated by so many people, uh, professors and people that I, you know, would teach in, you know, a Bible study or at a church or to youth or college or whatever, constantly validating that. And I think I needed that because for me, I never wanted to go into ministry, like ministry in the sense of like this kind of narrow view of yeah. church ministry yeah. or pastoral ministry. Again, we're all called to ministry. Mm -hmm. I, I, that wasn't a desire. Um, I didn't grow up in the church, so I never 
thought like that. I never looked up to people in ministry and said, that's like the role that mm. I want. Like, that's the coolest thing ever. I wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer yeah. or to do something in sports. Ministry didn't even cross my mind. And so for me, it wasn't something I was striving after. It was something that kind of fell into my lap through circumstances and following Jesus. And then over time, I really felt validated. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I love that two-part thing where there's an internal sense of like enjoyment and desire for it, or it seems to just really resonate, but then also the external affirmation or confirmation from, from the people around. That's when those things coincide it seems to be that that's a, a strong indicator of, okay, this maybe this is the direction that I'm supposed to go, or this is the the avenue in which I'm supposed to, um, it's supposed to desire or, or pursue. And so that, that that's awesome. Those those two things coming together, um, yeah, that's great. And so you, I, and I also like how you said that there was a, uh, it was a process or a journey coming into your calling where there wasn't necessarily. Yeah a bright light and a moment in time where all of a sudden your whole life was just laid out in front of you. But instead it was a journey or a process of growing into the calling that, that, that you felt like you were supposed to, you, you were supposed to step into. And, um, with that, how, how did that process go from you, you were pastoring at Ecclesia, you're, you're, you're leading that church. It's a thriving church. And then stepping into now wanting to pursue uh, the, the foundation of, uh, of better days and, and that nonprofit, how did that transition go or how did that all come about? Yeah. So I think some callings are by choice and some callings are through life experience and circumstance. I think better days is interesting. When I was um, in seminary um, getting my master's degrees, the two areas that I was most passionate about were biblical languages so I did six like school years of biblical languages and then understanding wow. like the human experience. So counseling and, you know, things of that nature um, were really, those grabbed my heart, really interested me. I never knew how those would come together in life and intersect. Yeah. Um, so I have always been entrepreneurial. I love to start things. It just wired into me. So in 2008, I started a church in Eugene, Oregon, a college town. I wanted to be around young people and yeah. really see the future generations come to know and follow Jesus. And so I started a church called Ecclesia. Ecclesia is the Greek term for church, which simply means a gathering of people. Mm -hmm. um, and we started in 2008. I moved from Maui, Hawaii, where I was directing a Calvary Chapel Bible College um, to Eugene, Oregon, and that was a step of faith because in Maui, you have the ocean and the beach uh, and the sun and <laughs> tropical like lifestyle every day. Eugene, Oregon, where you have no sun, no beach and rain Just every day. Just rain. So, so rain. not stoked about that. <laughs> yes. Endless rain. And so that was definitely a step of faith. So we went to Eugene, my wife and I, we started a Bible study in our living room, started inviting college kids. It began with five people in our living room apartment and I was teaching through the gospel of John and just inviting as many people as possible to come hang with us and start to form like the core group yeah. of what would become Ecclesia. And, uh, that beginning, 
uh, in the apartment was short-lived because in three months we had 90 college students in our apartment. Wow. And we had college students sitting in our kitchen sink because there was no room to sit. So at that point, I'm like, oh, something's happening. This is amazing. I guess yeah. this is how you start a church. Yeah. And so uh, fast forward to our third Easter, um, we had two, almost 2,500 people at our third Easter, which wow. was just kind of like surreal. Yeah. Like, is this real? You know, when you start something, it's kind of the dream to experience that. But at the same time, I was struggling, Mm. um, with severe anxiety, um, really severe stress, uh, beginning to have panic attacks. And I was young. I started the church at 25, which is way too young, like such a steep learning curve. God bless all the people that I had to learn with, you know, like, Oh man, Lots of mistakes, lots of things that you didn't know and that you have to learn on the spot. And there was a lot about, you know, that I was dealing with internally around mental health that really the narrative in Christianity at that point around mental health was anemic. And not only was it not talked about, but when it was talked about, you felt so ashamed, like, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, I'm in sin. Uh, You know, obviously, like, I heard this teaching, I must be doing something wrong, I can't really talk about it. And then to be a leader, that was even more terrifying, like to really talk about and address it at that point. Mm -hmm. And so that was the beginning of this formation inside of me is like, oh, wow, like, I not only am I experiencing this, but there's a need. Yeah. Uh, I would say from year three to year five, it was just like, I felt like I was drowning in this like fast growth and um, trying to figure out myself, trying to figure out how to be healthy. I wish I would have known so many things I knew now, know now about, you know, healthy rhythms and, you know, taking care of yourself and how to do things well so that you are able to address these internal struggles and needs that are inside most leaders. But I didn't. And at year five, my wife, uh, previously when we were dating, she was in a serious car accident, was almost paralyzed, so lived lived with chronic pain. At year five, she was in another accident. And from that point on, it was pretty severe. Um, Her pain, she had multiple surgeries. She was in and out of the hospital for five years straight. Um, She was being treated by some of the best doctors on the West Coast for spinal injuries and brain um, injuries and, and things of that nature. Wow. And over that time, that was really when God began to form in me um, this desire to start to address just for myself, like really mm-hmm. dig in to mental health and suffering in Christianity and to begin to address the need that I saw as I was going from church to church, speaking outside of my church context. I always talk about mental health or suffering and Mm-hmm. everywhere I went, people were like, I've never heard that before wow. or nobody's ever talked about that in our church. And so I re- began to form this idea that there was a need in Christianity to have uh, a discussion, a conversation around mental health and suffering and what it means to be human and follow Jesus mm-hmm. and to begin to build a robust theology around being human Um, and all the hard experiences that we go through. So that led to me starting a podcast um, in almost late 2018, 2019. Um, 
And then that podcast, I honestly, at the beginning of it, I thought I was terrible at podcasting. It's such a different <laughs> form of communication. But uh, after season one, I, I kind of, you know, felt a little better and got in the groove and the podcast just grew rapidly. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was really the impetus that said, okay, you need to do this. You know, you need to write, write books, yeah. speak, teach, educate the church um, around these human experiences that are really hard that, that all of us are experiencing, but need to br- bring to the forefront of Christianity. Yeah. yeah, I love how you talk about um, bringing mental health kind of like into the light. I think that's a really, there's so many things I feel like that are that way with the church that um, the church can tend to not necessarily have conversations around certain subjects. And then when people go through them and they're Christians, they have this really untrue idea that they're alone in it because yeah, nobody's talking about it. And so I love that mm-hmm. you kind of have addressed that. Um, and then are there any other stigmas that you feel like are around mental health aside from just like that, the silence around it, but that exists in the church that you address through better days? Yeah. So um, a, a stigma for the listeners is just kind of a false idea, a false stereotype. And that's part of it, you know, because I feel like this, this work is so vital in our day and age. Like, for example, just like take 2020. Um, recent studies said, just looking at youth, uh, 77% of those who took a youth screen on, on mental health or major American organization um, uh, were at risk for, you know, mental health, uh, emotional, attentional, behavioral difficulties. And then... 62% of 11 to 17 year olds experience thoughts of suicide or self harm mm-hmm. more yeah. than half the days um, to nearly every week of 2020. Yeah. So, what's taking place in our culture is, you know, an epidemic. But w- w- the other issue is that we have such like thorough theology around like teaching through scripture, ex- ex- you know, a- exposition. We have such a thorough theology around the person of God and Christ and, you know, things of that nature, things that you're going to talk about, you know, in the conference, Mm -hmm. uh, understanding the Trinity and each person um, within the Trinity. But we really have um, a very anemic theology around being human, particularly Mm -hmm. in the areas of depression, anxiety, grief lament, like all of these subjects that actually take up a lot of space in scripture, but for some reason we don't give attention to them enough. And so that's where I feel really drawn is to, to be, be a voice in the Christian community that gives, you know, highlights attention around all of these experiences that so many people are processing and uh, not only bringing it to light, but normalizing it. Yeah. For example, um, I'm, you know, I've doing, I do, I'm doing research in, in preparation as I'm writing a book around everything the Bible says around depression. So I'm studying from like Genesis three on every word, every concept, every story dealing with depression, same thing with anxiety, lament, like all these human experiences of suffering. Mm 
um, and putting together a really, what I think is healthy um, theology, but also really practical help and steps that God has designed um, that can help us all process these hard, hard moments and experiences in life. Yeah. Well, and um, I think it's really interesting because you talk about normalizing it and I, I'm sitting here thinking of like things that are popping in my head. And even as I'm thinking those things, I'm like, uh, but like, is that okay to say? Or like, just like certain things that I, you wonder how people in the church would react to certain emotions or feelings or things that people are going through. And I just really admire ministries that, um, say this is what humans go through and, um, just, yeah, bringing light into that darkness and allowing people to experience human, like, I don't know, just the realness of life. Um, and not, yeah. And, and God's grace through that and that, that you don't have to hide those things to receive God's grace, I guess, too. But I, I'll tell you, I work with um, elementary school students, and I work with high-behavior kids, and it's crazy the amount of mental um, just turmoil that people are subjected to in our culture, especially, as you said, in, like, those teenage years. But it starts so much sooner than that. There's six-year-olds that I work with that I'm like, why are they going through this? Why is this a thing? Um, and it's just – it's it's everywhere. Yes, it's everywhere. Uh, our churches are full of people that need help and guidance and get, you know, that we would provide a place that offers people hope and hope starts with communication and openness and vulnerability. So instead of stifling people through really negative, you know, terminology or phraseology around, you know, whatever form of suffering it is, we have to be inviting so that people can do exactly what Jesus said. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Mm -hmm. Jesus invites us to a place of vulnerability and rest in those hard moments of life. And we need to do the same thing within Christianity. Where do you, where do you think those stigmas came from? Like if you could, yeah, pinpoint something. Where do you think these ideas that we have to, that people have to hide, hide what they're going through came from? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think um, just in, in my own like research and writing, um, I think a lot of it comes through our culture. Um, we've been formed in a culture that, you know, our ultimate goal and our ultimate value is happiness. Mm-hmm. And happiness takes on this like umbrella in society and even within Christianity where we view all of life through that emotion, which Mm -hmm. is one emotion. Um, We feel so many emotions. Um, Happiness can't be our ultimate goal. And and Tim Keller in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, kind of does a sociological like um, examination of how different cultures and societies have viewed and responded to human suffering. It basically says the Western culture does it the worst. Like we are so um, bad at processing human pain and suffering because it doesn't fit into the manuscript narrative of happiness. So we evade it, we run from it, we cover it, we suppress it. um, We try to circumvent it. 
But when it comes into our life, because we've been formed with this mindset, and it, that, that mindset is also, you know, seeped into our, our understanding of God and, you know, being a Christian in the West, um, we just don't know what to do with it. And then I think on top of not only the cultural factors, I think in Christianity, mm-hmm. um, and I don't say this in a negative way at all, but there are a lot of teachings around these issues that are very um, myopic. And what I mean by that is we focus on one verse in one context and we make that the rule of thumb for every situation. For example, anxiety. You know, when we talk about anxiety in Christianity, or you hear a teaching on anxiety, everybody goes to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Yep. Do not be anxious for anything. <laughs> yep. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, make your request even be known to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That's our default verse. And when we teach that, when people hear that, and when it's expounded, most of us think, oh, wow. God's view of all anxiety is it's wrong, it's sinful, mm-hmm. you should never feel this way, and if you do, you're not praying enough, yeah. um, because prayer is the answer to all forms of anxiety. And you go well, with prayer and supplication, and then you're like, why do, Why am I still anxious? <laughs> it didn't work. Yeah, why am I still anxious? Like, why do I feel these physiological reactions? Like, my heart, I feel like I'm suffocating, like, I feel like I'm having a heart attack, like, my palms are sweaty, um... Why, why do I still feel this way? And all of a sudden you're in this cycle of like shame and guilt. Like mm-hmm. I must have some sort of sin in my life. But here's the problem. Most people have not studied the full scope of anxiety in scripture. There is way more to anxiety in the Bible, in the Old Testament and New Testament than, than, that, than just that verse part mm-hmm. of me. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, the main term for anxiety in the New Testament comes from a verb and a noun, um, in, in the original language and it means to care and and it's actually a healthy term paul uses the same term in chapter two of philippians when he says um, i'm going to send you know so and so my coworker to you that i may be less anxious so the same person who said do not be anxious for anything also said i'm struggling in dealing with anxiety in my own experience in this moment mm-hmm. so how do we process through that um, come to the conference because I'm going to be talking about mental health and suffering. In particular, I'm going to be talking about anxiety and depression and following Jesus. But um, we have to realize that not all anxiety is bad anxiety. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's a that's a basic psychological you know definition of anxiety. There's normal anxiety. We all feel these feelings in momentary circumstances. It's wired into our fight or flight response. But even in the Bible, not all anxiety is bad or wrong. There's a healthy dose of caring Mm. for things in life and having natural, normal human concern that is right and healthy and makes us human. Um, So that's like the basic understanding of the term. So if like you have kids, you're going to have really healthy concerns as a mom or dad about the well-being and success and flourishing of your kids you you care about their safety you care that they do well you care that they understand who they are and what they're supposed to do in this world and you feel that like you feel that inside and that's okay but there's a point where our concerns can become obsessive and Mm -hmm. that's where God's saying not in a condemning or shaming way that's where God is saying I don't want you to carry the weight 
of living in this cycle of rumination over the possibilities and the potentialities of what could happen in the future. I want you to, I want to help you um, along the challenges of life and the, the burdens that we carry in life. Um, so I, I don't think God is saying that in a negative way, in a condemning way. I think he's saying it as a loving, compassionate, empathetic father who wants to help us carry the burdens and the challenges and the difficult thoughts in our life. And then beyond that, think of this. Let's say somebody comes into a church and we simply um, give this oversimplified answer to anxiety. You should never feel it. And if you do... You know, you're not praying enough. Let's say that person has anxiety, not based on, you know, thought patterns, which we often think of anxiety in terms of, but based on a medical condition, you can have anxiety because of hormone imbalances. You can have anxiety because of a brain condition, or let's say somebody has anxiety because of PTSD or some sort of trauma that they face. And we tell that person they should never feel anxious and they continue to pray and feel anxious because of some biological condition or trauma that they experience. Imagine the shame and the guilt that we are a part of communicating in their life. Not that we're doing it intentionally, but we're not speaking of these issues in a nuanced way that helps people realize that these answers aren't the answers to every situation we have to look at them in context and the context is not just the passage it's the broader context of scripture and so that's a long explanation to say we have to be really careful because we don't want somebody in those types of situations to feel ashamed uh, and thinking that they're doing something spiritually wrong when in reality they just have a biological condition or trauma that they need to process through with an expert that can help them walk through trauma and the untangling of trauma in the human soul. Yeah. So I say all that to say, that's a simple example, um, more to come, but I think we are not very nuanced. And that's what I hope that our discussion around these, you know, human experiences becomes a lot more nuanced. Yeah. When I think it's cool just to backtrack half a second, but the, how you, um, applied the kind of um, the origin of it to our culture of those stigmas and where they came from because I think it's really interesting to think about how then the culture affects Western church because I I was in missions for a little bit and I was in Mexico and Central America and church is so different there. Um, it's loud and emotional and... Um, like if you come from Western church culture, it can be uncomfortable and it's just because it's not what we're used to. We're not used to that display of human emotion in a place of, I think, I think in general, like you said, culturally, I think that we, um, we process everything through that, that happiness filter and that, that happiness scale. Um, and we all want to meet that place. And so to share anything other than that is, is shameful, but then that totally translates into our church culture as well to where the verses we do teach about anxiety are to pray and to um, just, it doesn't recognize that that deeper human experience like you've talked about where lamenting and depression and anxiety are all 
rooted in the Bible as well. They're just pieces that maybe we don't look into as much. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think um, maybe one, one other question right along these lines is um, if someone listening is either struggling with these kinds of things or is walking through that with someone else, I think it's, um, I think it's, what we don't want to do is like you said, give those pat answers, um, that really don't address the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so then in, as an alternative to that, what kind of resources or thoughts or advice would you give to someone who's either struggling with that or walking through, um, through that with someone of like, okay, here's not that maybe this pat answer doesn't necessarily address the the full issue. And so here's, here's some resources you can go to, or here's a thought that you can present. Um, and, and I know every situation is so unique that it's, it, it's tough to do, but, but is there so, something along those lines that, that you might want to be, that, that you could explain for, for someone who's either struggling or walking through it with someone? Yeah. Um, I think obviously, like you said, every person's suffering has a context that is unique to them. And I think that's an important part of, you know, helping people rather than giving quick advice. We really need to understand what a person's gone through, what they're processing, what the underlying factors are. Um, But a few things that are, that are helpful just kind of as a starting point. One, it's okay to be human. You see it in scripture. Like all of these people that we see in scripture that we look up to, including Jesus, uh, have experienced very painful um, moments in their life, mental and emotional anguish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, when, when it comes to a conference, we'll kind of look at some of those. But it's okay to be human. It's okay that you're walking through a hard moment and you should never feel ashamed. You should never feel ashamed when you struggle with depression or anxiety or grief or you feel stuck in life. I think one of the things that you don't want to do is isolate and suppress what you're going through. Those are, those are kind of our natural, you know, temptations, proclivity, especially in the West is kind of isolate and suppress what we're going through. Every person who's going through something hard needs community. Um, and I think that's where kind of this terminology that I've been hearing uh, recently, and I think it's really good, is everybody needs a relational home mm-hmm. to process their pain. Yeah. And I think that's so important. That's why, you know, church is so vital in our culture because people are longing for a community where you can be honest and vulnerable mm-hmm. and yeah. open and find help and strength and support in the midst of being human in this fragile and broken world. I also think that, um, having a relationship with our creator is so vital. Mm-hmm. Obviously that's the point of Philippians four is like, you know, God is not condemning us or shaming us. God is inviting us to a place of help and rest in him. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, that's so much of the substance of lament in the old Testament is that God is giving us this free invitation to be honest with ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, vulnerable in community and, honest with him and he wants to enter into that point of pain that moment of suffering in your life mm-hmm. and uh you know one other thing that i would always say is 
you know, if you need help, like professional help, never feel ashamed to reach out for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, God gifts different people to help different people in different ways. And some people are really gifted in the human condition and experience of pain in life, which could include, you know, seasons of depression or seasons of suicidal ideation or seasons of overwhelming anxiety or grief or what have you. There are people that God has gifted to help people walk through those experiences. And so never feel ashamed to reach out for help. I've gone to therapy, life changing. All my friends that you guys probably listen to in ministry, like that you guys look up to, most of them have gone to therapy or are going to therapy. Mm -hmm. It's just a way to continue to, to cultivate being a healthy human internally and walk, walking through and processing the challenges of life. So never feel ashamed to reach out for help. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. There's, there, there sometimes is that sense of shame around asking for help where we are as a culture, we idealize as, as a young man being like an independent person that doesn't need anybody help, anybody's help or anything like that. But the reality is we're all, broken and and that's the core message of the gospel is that we can't do it on our own that we have to be saved by grace and so to simply acknowledge that and reach out for the for the help from people who have been gifted who who are the the ears of the body of christ who can listen super well and then to be able to speak into those situations that's just all all a part of what it means to be a part of the body of christ and to navigate this life that is broken and that will then we look forward to the day when then it is ultimately redeemed totally. Um, but for now, mm-hmm. we anticipate that and we walk through it in in community, and and, and that's that's then in anticipation for the ultimate re- redemption. Um, and there's just so much we could talk about with all of this. And unfortunately, our time is already running short, um, which is crazy. So everyone who's listening wants to hear more, come to the conference to because the conference. <laughs> there's so much more that needs to be talked about with this. And, and, but, but before we go along these lines too, um, in between now and the conference and, and even just for life, what kind of books or, or resources w- would you point to someone who's wanting to learn more about mental health, wanting to learn more about suffering and really from that biblical Christian worldview to be able to navigate these issues in a healthy way, what, what direction what, what would you point people? Well, I mean, and I say this in the most humble way, like uh, that is the work that we're doing mm-hmm. currently. So you can follow our podcast, better days podcast is on all social platforms, uh, digital platforms. Part of me, you can follow us on Instagram, better days, F M L Y like family, but shortened F M L Y. Um, and then our website, betterdaysfmly.co, um, we, we put up every other week, we put up a new article on some aspect of this um, in a series on anxiety right now. And so uh, about to, you know, launch a new article this week, um, really dealing with some of the nuance around what the Bible teaches about anxiety. Um, and then, yeah, the podcast is the resource that most people uh, you know, our broadest audience. Um, we've been really blessed to reach people all around the world and uh, continue to speak into this. But there's a lot of books too. Like, uh, I, I'm always, it's hard for me to, to 
tell people my favorite books because I have 3,000 plus books. So I am <laughs> yes. an avid reader. I love to read. So what my, the book that's my favorite is always the books that I'm reading in the moment. I usually reading five yeah. to 10 books at a time. That's, um, you. that's awesome. One, one book that I've read in the last year that um, isn't a biblical book, but it's more of like a, a sociological psychological evaluation of why mental health is so rampant, you know, in the Western society is lost connections. Mm. Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing book, but anything by Henry Nowen, I recommend. Um, he just got such a great perspective around like, you know, theology uh, of God and the Trinity and also uh, what it means to be human, like as a Jesus follower. Mm. And there's so many other authors like, I there's just a lot of good books. I'm working on a book right now to uh, address all of these kind of realities. And so when that comes out someday, I'd uh, love for you to read it as well. Oh, we, we'd we love to read it. We'll be yeah. on the short list, hopefully, just like pre-ordering <laughs> it on Amazon. <laughs> That's so. awesome. Ripping the package so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. You well, guys are the best. Uh, we appreciate your time and 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 your thoughts and and are so excited for for you to be here with us here here in May to to talk about these important issues and this really important thing that is so many people are struggling with and and going through and so we we appreciate your time and um, we're we're stoked and um, are are definitely thankful that that you're coming. Yeah, we really are. Thank yeah, you so much I'm for so talking. grateful too. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for this great conversation. You guys are the best. I can't wait to hang with you in a couple months. Sounds great. Awesome. Well, we'll we'll talk soon. And um, thanks for thanks for jumping on. Thank you. Alrighty. Have a great day, Wesley. Bye. You too. Thanks Bye. so much, guys. Bye. Well, that was a really, really great conversation with Wes. We are just so excited that he's going to be coming and being a part of part part of what what we're doing and, and the conference and his his perspectives on mental health and really bringing it into the light talking about the issues that we as humans face in this fallen world and I love how he talks about how the Bible really does talk about all of these things like like I kind of mentioned last week the Bible's so realistic mm-hmm. it doesn't just leave things out or it doesn't leave things um leave, leave question marks or like like it, it actually addresses reality the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, not that it addresses every question we want it to answer. Like it doesn't tell me whether or not I'm supposed to eat Cheerios or not, but <laughs> it addresses life the way it is. And, and that's, I, I'm, I'm just so thankful for. And, and I, and I'm stoked to see that. And, and really what, what, what Wes was saying too is, is check out better days. We, we've been following them and they got some great resources yeah. And their their Instagram, their podcast, and, and it's a really, re- really great resource for everyone. I follow their Instagram, and I always love seeing what they post. Mm-hmm. It's a good moment in my day. Yeah, yeah. Well, that pretty much wraps up this yeah. episode of The Rest. Thanks for joining, and we hope to see you next week. Yes, have a great day, everybody. See ya. <laughs>